Welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Diving Into Crypto. A weekly series where thought leaders share insights, strategies, and insider stories about all things crypto and Web3. Brought to you by Adlunum. Alrighty, so thank you everybody uh, for joining. Uh, this is your host, Token J. Uh, uh, welcome, welcome, welcome to Diving Into Crypto. Uh, so this program is about sharing insights, strategies, uh, and the journeys of thought leaders, movers, shakers, uh, and candlestick watchers. So uh, let's dive right into it. Uh, but before we begin, so this program belongs to that of the speaker. The thoughts shared are meant for educational purposes, uh, not investment advice. Uh, feel free to use the reaction buttons uh, whenever you hear something interesting or things that you agree with from our speakers. Uh, and at the end, we will open the program for Q&A. Uh, and your questions can also be sent, sent across to our Twitter account, at Adunim Inc. Um, cool. So let's just get started uh, with Adam. Adam, would you like to uh, uh, sort of uh, give an audience an idea of kind of what you, what you do, what you guys are, are, are about? Absolutely. Absolutely. I just want to make sure you can still hear me. Yep. Am I good? Yep. Fantastic. Well, first of all, I wanted to thank you for taking the time. I know it's the most valuable thing that everyone has. And I appreciate you, buddy, working as an advisor with us, as well as has helped us with our tokenomics and working with our different VCs over, you know, when we started Reveal, you've been an instrumental part of our success. So we truly appreciate everything you've done. And thank you for bringing me on the space. I want to start with that. And uh, so so my background guide, so was um, is cybersecurity back in the end of the 90s, early 2000s. I got involved in uh, risk assessment, vulnerability assessment. Basically, I, I brought in hackers that would bring in, you know, uh, enterprise companies, hack them and check to see if they have vulnerabilities. And then I would provide them with software and, and, and hardware solutions. And, um, you know, so having a background in cybersecurity, when I got involved in crypto, there really was no security of any kind. And, um, you know, back in 2014, I got involved in the XR space. I started raising capital or worked to raise the capital for a company called First Conduct Entertainment. We got involved in the first uh, Sony PlayStation uh, VR game, which was uh, Firewall Zero Hour, as well as the Walking Dead experience. And I just got totally hooked on the idea of the, of the metaverse and VR and augmented reality and just super excited about the space, got myself the headsets and just started diving in. And in 2016, both Mo and myself, and by the way, Mo is, is unfortunately not going to be able to, he has a personal situation this morning, he's not going to be able to make it. So I'll be, uh, I'll be representing for Reveal. Um, but me and Mo, uh, that's when I met Mo, we got involved in the blockchain space in 2016. And, uh, you know, we started with the Wild Wild West of the ICOs and the IEOs and the IDOs and NFTs and DeFi and now Metaverse. And uh, one thing that we found as thought leaders, advisors to like over 30 companies to combine and in investors ourselves is that it was so easy to get scammed. And, you know, it's interesting because the average person doesn't realize it, but we're not really taught by our gut reaction to think of our intuition is, hey, I really shouldn't be connecting my wallet. I really shouldn't be following this person. I really shouldn't be doing this. And we do it anyway. And that obviously is something that's cost us a lot of money. Now, we made a lot of money in the industry, but we also lost a lot of money. And we've been scammed every possible way you can get scammed. And so we realized there's got to be a better way because if we're DGENs or 
people who have a history of being in this, you know, in, in this space and we're knowledgeable, the average person that's getting involved doesn't stand a chance. Oh, by the way, Mo just joined. If you guys want to bring him on as a speaker as well, I, he, he was able to jump in, which is great. And so if you, if you think about it this way, when you look, when you look at um, this market and where we are, you can't really take a, a decentralized problem and create a decentralized security. It has to be a centralized solution for the security. And so what we did is we said, look, the biggest problem we're seeing right now is with the NFT space, and then the future is going to be the metaverse. So we created authentication and protection for digital media. And so if you think about an NFT and you think about minting, really all you're doing is creating a history of ownership, but you're not really giving copyright or authentication of the creator. Like where was it created from? Because if you started out with fraud, Jason, and you sold it to somebody, you just sold somebody fraud, right? And it's so easy to copy something. And, and so we wanted to have a way that we can protect artists and protect IP owners and collectors and make sure that we have a portable API solution that allows us to be able to plug it into a gaming platform, a metaverse, a NFT marketplace, and then allow us to be able to follow it for the life of that digital media. And then to go one step further, we realized that the problem and the security, it extends beyond just the digital media at the beginning. There's, when you think of security, you think of two different companies that come to mind when you think of computer security, right? You think of Norton and you think of McAfee. And the only reason why you think of those two companies is because they had the word antivirus after their name. What's crazy is, is that there's a ton of other security companies that are just not in the retail space. They're in the enterprise space. And unfortunately, you have a negative connotation to security. You know, when you think of security, you think, oh, it's that annoying thing that's running in the background. It's slowing down my computer because it's doing a scan. Or you're thinking, oh, man, I, I got to renew that thing again. And, you know, yeah, I'd rather have it and not need it and then need it and not have it. And, you know, you've got to renew it. So it's like insurance. You don't even want to pay for it, but you have to have it. We want to make and our goal is to build a brand that people can trust and make security sexy and exciting again, that you actually are happy that you feel good that there's a cop in the corner that's protecting you as you go through the metaverse. Because, you know, in the future, you're going to have proof of existence, right? You're going to need to check to see the avatar you're talking to is not an AI or it's not a 13-year-old girl avatar with a 55-year-old man behind it. You want to make sure that you don't click on malicious content, bad actors that are out there to get you. Because in the open world, we work now with six different metaverses. And in the open world, you are putting yourself out there it's probably 10x more dangerous into the metaverse, into the future than it is in real life. And you want to de-risk the metaverse. The way we're doing that is we're building in an SDK into the future. We have, we have future phases of our rollout and we're going to be protecting the avatar. We're going to be protecting the world from these malicious and bad actors, the proof of existence, and of course, authenticating everything around us to make sure it's not a fraud to make sure that the people who are flexing really have what they say they have. Because in the digital world, that's your identity, right? That's your digital identity. And it's, it's really exciting to know that this space is evolving so fast and there's so many great companies. And we've been to, I don't know, 16 events, 17 events in the last 90 or 120 days. And 
everybody wants to partner. Everybody wants to collaborate. You know, we're, we're super excited to be here. So that's just kind of a 30,000 foot overview of Reveal real quick. For sure. For sure. I mean, um, safety in the metaverse has become an increasingly, you know, discussed concept, uh, particularly, a, you know, among uh, people that prognosticate on these sorts of issues. So it's really good that um, Reveal is taking that head on. Uh, just a brief introduction, everybody, uh, on Reveal itself. Uh, Reveal is a multi-layered authentication and copyright protection tool. Uh, it essentially prevents digital asset asset counterfeiting on and off the blockchain. And essentially, it's a, uh, a protection solution that upholds the intellectual property rights of digital brands, creators, uh, artists, and collectors. Um, so with that said, uh, I'd love to learn more about sort of uh, what got you into crypto um, uh, and exactly like when was that moment when the switch flipped that, that, that got you interested in uh, sort of Web3? Yeah, and you know, it's interesting having a, a background with the hackers um, real quick. So the first time I heard about Bitcoin was in 2011, I think it was. And uh, they were telling me about the Silk Road and they said there's this crazy underground marketplace that you can go to and you can buy just about anything you can imagine. And uh, they said, but be careful, you know, you gotta go into Tor browser if you wanna check it out. It was like this crazy link, like astalavista.box.sk or some crazy thing. And I had, had to have all my security on, I had my hacker with me over my shoulder at the time. And, uh, and sure, sure enough, um, I went in, I saw it and I said, what's this B? What's this Bitcoin thing? Like how do people buy things? And they're like, oh dude, you don't wanna touch that. That's that's like drug money. That's that's like digital drug money. And you got to go like the shady people in an alley with a bag of cash if you want to buy Bitcoin. And unfortunately, that was my first experience to Bitcoin. And so I was like, I don't want to have anything to do with that. That sounds crazy. I can't stand just so you guys know, I, I don't like the fiat system. I don't like the banking system. I think it's the biggest Ponzi scheme in the world. I think that the whole money system is rigged by the elites, but that's a whole nother conversation. But the point is, is that in 2016, when I got reintroduced to it, I think it was um, banking on Bitcoin. I actually saw this video and I remembered that logo and I remember the name Bitcoin. I'm like, this stuff's still around? Like, what is this? And then that's where I, I really, I saw that there's a way to get away from the banking systems. And I got super stoked because I already love technology as a technologist and somebody who's excited about VR and XR and it's got to be the next way for a digital economy. And so in 2016, I saw that there was the ICOs happening, but really my first thing was Bitcoin and then Ethereum. You know, I was an early, early investor, like $5 when I bought my first Ethereum and um, I mined it. I actually not only my first Ethereum I ever got my hands on, I actually saw a video on YouTube and I started mining it from my home on my GPU on my computer. And that's how I got involved. I was like, holy shit, I can make an ATM machine. I got an ATM machine in my bedroom. This is so cool. Until my girlfriend at the time said, uh, what are you doing with that stuff in the room? I had it going for a couple of months. And I was earning like, literally, I was earning like one Ethereum every, it was like every six hours. And then it was like every hour. And it was every two days and every, every twice a week. And, and it started to slow down. But at that time, I, I didn't know it didn't have much value. And I'm like spending like $300 a month electricity on this stupid thing. And right, and uh, and the cost of the equipment. And so at the time, my girlfriend talked me out of the idea. So I was still buying it, but I wasn't mining it anymore. And then I started to look into the first ICO I told Mo about, believe it or not, was a project called Bitcoins that I looked at all the projects at the time. 
Bitcoins converted to Ethos and Ethos became Voyager. So we were early ICO investors. Matter of fact, we weren't even to get in, able to get in unless we put a VPN because I had to, I'm based in the US. And so, you know, not the financial advice, but I, I said, hey, I want to try this ICO thing. And I went to go on. They're like, you can't go in. You're from the US. I'm like, well, I just threw on a, a you know, at the time a VPN and I went to Spain. And sure enough, I was able to invest in the ICO. And, and Mo was already in Canada, so it's easy for him. And um, so, yeah, so we've been involved in many, many, many projects. And we got super excited about the technology and, and that what they're trying to solve. And I think that a lot of them were really early adopters, right? So they were too early with their technology for the market. And I, I, I fear that for some projects. And even us, we're building into the future, but we have to build for today. Mo always says, he says, you know, if you want to work on A, B, and C before you get to, you know, X, Y, and Z. And, and I have to agree with that. You know, we are planning and preparing and building into the metaverse and into the future, but we are building for today. And so, uh, you know, we're, we're really excited about where the space is going. And I have been excited about it since day one. And the, the tracking and the trading and the candles, that really never was my thing. That's more Mo's thing. I really, I dabbled in it. I lost like 30, 40, 50 grand. I remember what it was. And then I realized that, oh, just to become a good trader, you have to lose a lot of money because that's how you learn. It's the same thing with the security, right? You, you haven't actually... People say you haven't joined the crypto club unless you've already been scammed and lost money. And I, I just don't think that's cool. I think that people should have a comfortable, safe place to enter into this space. And that's not there at the moment. That's why we created Reveal. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I think the, the, the problem with security uh, in crypto is that it's not... It's not nearly as easy as it needs to be. I mean, there's just so many ways where you can connect your wallet to the wrong thing, have your funds drained, particularly DeFi, especially when you start talking about DeFi. It's just not as it's just not as easy to use as as uh, as, as you would want it to be in order to um, you know for, for mass adoption. I, I also think it's funny because I think Voyager is probably going to get a call from the SEC because I think an American citizen invested in an unregistered security. Probably, I think he just said that. But anyway, we'll see how it goes. Let's hope they don't get a call. Well, I mean, look, at the, at the end of the day, that it was a wild, wild west. Nobody really knew what they were doing. But yeah, no, um, what, what? Yeah. You know, I mean, look, timing wise in the in the in the grand scheme of things. Right. You know, the user experience is everything. And you touched on that. And that's, you know, the, the DeFi uh, total value lock that is being hacked all over the place. And by the way, most we just had a great Twitter space the other day and we were talking about. Uh, we had a really high level person has a, a background in cybersecurity as well, Black Alchemy. And when he came in, he was talking about cybersecurity. The things that are happening today are not new, right? The, the hacks that are happening are a lot of times they're social hacks. They're happening from a psychology level, path of least resistance. And, you know, when you want to think about how you protect yourself, you have to really think a little bit like the hackers and how's the easiest place they can get access to you? And then typically it's when you go in like a DM, right? They DM you and they bring you off to a copy site and then they just connect you. You connect your wallet, you think you're on the right site and boom, they take your money. That's the easiest one. The newest one, which by the way, I don't know if you guys have come across this. So I have a public address for my NFTs and a, for Reveal and myself that we're playing around with and buying over the last year or so. And now people are starting to, not only they do they drop NFTs into my wallet, 
Now they're offering me to buy them back from OpenSea directly, not like from some fake website, but literally from OpenSea. And they're looking to get access to my wallet and looking for me to give permissions so they can go buy. And now that they're in, they're, they're, they have access to all my NFTs and they could steal everything I've got. And I have it this last week. I've had at least five attempts on trying to steal all my NFTs. So, um, yeah, it's pretty bad. So the DeFi space obviously is getting hacked at a high level. And then, of course, at the social engineering level, people are going after your emails. They're going after DMs. They're going after the, the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, you know, it's amazing. We've also, uh, at, our, at our official wallet address, received like just several airdrops of random tokens. I think these are more for advertising purposes, though, as opposed to like a scam. But I did recently, it, it's interesting, I got somebody contacted me on Twitter saying they were looking for somebody to fill a form related to like um, uh, management or something like that. And uh, I was like, yeah, sure. It was like, it was like a pay, it would be like a paid, paid form it was like $400 to fill out this form. I was like, yeah, sure. Go ahead and send it over. And when I actually took a look, it had all these, uh, it was like a Google form and it had all these questions about my, like my name, my birthday. <laughs> they might as well just be like, Hey, just put your, drop your private keys right here just for verification purposes. So it's, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> You know, you know, cause, cause you wouldn't make that connection, right? You wouldn't say, oh, okay, these guys, you know, these guys maybe know that I have access to certain keys. And so maybe that's why they're asking these questions because it's totally not crypto related. Even this message just comes through via LinkedIn from somebody who's doing market research, presumably. Well, they're getting, they're getting more savvy, right? And, and uh, I'll give you guys an example. So, so Decentraland, right? If you put in the word Decentraland versus Decentraland, uh, dot, you know, uh, dot IO or whatever it is, um, it literally pulls up a spoof site that looks exactly the same. And then if you connect your wallet, it either if you're already connected, it's already going to try to steal your stuff when you try to authenticate it. And if you're not connected, it says just enter your seed key here, enter your, 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 your phrase here if you want to, you know, get on Decentraland. And, you know, they're looking for people that are new to the space, that are naive, you know. But the sad part is, as I mentioned, as a DGEN, including yourself, even we get scammed, Right. Mo's got scammed. You've got scammed. Yeah. I've got scammed. Everyone that I know that's that's been in the space for, uh, you know, for a second, realizes that people got scammed. And by the way, seventy five percent of the people that have come into this market came in the last two years. By the way, which is insane, right? So, people that have been in here, you know, three, four, five, six years plus, they're OGs. They've been around a long time. They've seen many bull and bear markets. They've realized how the scams are. They've realized what projects that are rug pulls. And that's another big thing, right? Rug pulls. That's a whole other story, right? People are going to be rug pulling full metaverses in the future. Um, one of our new metaverse partners, you know, like when you go to a metaverse and you go to buy a plot, right? So you own a plot, like we own, we own space in multiple metaverses that we're building a headquarters that will be the first time that we cross between Unreal Engine and Unity and other engines and JavaScript and Web3, and uh, we're able to, or WebGL, we're able to actually create interoperable security and a portal between different worlds. So we're building into the future. Matter of fact, we could even go from a AAA game in the future. Like, let's say you're in Halo or World of Warcraft. You could take your worldly goods and your avatar and then jump, just like in Ready Player One, into another metaverse, into a metaverse that has our, our uh, security protection portal in it. And... When you think about it, the partner that we, by the way, guys, I have, I have what they call boomerang ADD. So I may go around a big circle, but I always come back to the point. So 
the one of our new metaverse partners, they they said, well, you normally would buy a plot, right? And, and you'd own a plot and then you build on your plot. And now you own a piece of the metaverse, which is a beautiful thing because now you own a piece of a game, if you will. That was the big difference between the metaverse and gaming is that now inside the metaverse, you can own assets inside there, including the, the land that you build on and you're able to have your avatar go around on and so on. They said, well, screw it. We're going to spin up worlds, not just a plot. We're literally going to let you buy a world and then we're going to have thousands of worlds. And now imagine you not only have a plot that could be malicious, now you could have a potential world that could be malicious. You have a whole, the whole thing was just designed just to be a rug pull, just to steal everything you have. So you have to be super careful. And when we talk about de-risking the metaverse, it's so important that we are protecting ourselves at the core level because people don't know what they don't know. And it's an unknown territory. And anybody who says they're an expert in metaverse is a liar because no one's been around the new metaverse. You know, the Neil Stephenson metaverse snow crash is a different model than what we're building out today because the technology that he was envisioning wasn't actually there yet. And by the way, he's also building, he's also building a metaverse as well, in case you guys didn't know. And the, the future where things are going is we're building out the digital economy and we needed the NFT ramp because you really can't bring crypto to go back into the whole, you know, regulatory SS, SEC. Two reasons why they didn't bring crypto into the gaming platform, which would have made them like metaverses. One is they did studies. They found out that the gamers really don't want to be bothered with it, believe it or not. And two is it's gonna, it would cause a regulatory compliance issue across the board. And that's why they, they, they didn't adopt it. So, you know, I, I, I think that you're right that the, where we are now and with the DeFi space, it's going to mature where the NFT marketplaces are going to become more mixed reality, augmented reality while we move into the metaverse. And that's another area that you're going to need protection in, in augmented reality. We're working on some new high tech technology, which I can't explain on the phone, which is also going to protect augmented reality as well. So we, we know that every area is exploitable in the digital field of the, of the future. It's, it'll start at the digital economy because people are going to want to go after your assets, but they'll find their way in through some kind of social engineering for sure. You know, it's interesting. So you, you touched on a bit about sort of what are the, um, the security risks uh, in the metaverse, but specifically, what are, what are some of them? I know that, you know, uh, there was, a, there was a, a case recently where a woman said that she would, she'd been molested or raped uh, in the metaverse. Um, do, do you think that that is, is something that's going to be an increasing issue? Or do you think, you know, uh, maybe some of these, uh, these people that are complaining might figure out how to uh, unplug, their, unplug their connection? Well, I mean, look, at the end of the day, like I've said, if, if 10x of what's going to happen in real life is going to happen in the metaverse, and you have to protect yourself from predators and bad actors. And when you're in the metaverse and you build up a drop-dead gorgeous guy or girl, right, uh, avatar, you're going to get hit on like you are in real life, right? If you're in real life and you dress provocatively and you go out, you, you're going to get hit on no matter regardless what you are. It's the same thing in the metaverse. I'll give you the opposite view real quick and then I'll circle it back. So I was in Facebook early playing around with the whole, you know, the, the new meta horizons and the new, the meta world. And all there was was kids in there. And I felt kind of creepy because all I was this older, I'm 49 by the way, guys. And all these kids that got to be like between, I don't even know, 10 to, to 
15 or something. And we're inside uh, their main area where everybody, the hub inside Facebook meta. And sure enough, there was this kid, he, you know, cause in real life, when you go to build your avatar, you kind of make it look like you are in real life. And the kid looked a little dumpy. He kind of looked, uh, you know, he, he just looked like the, the, the kind of kid that, that kids would normally in a school would pick on. And he created his look and likeness inside a meta. And sure enough, cyberbullying was right in my face. They're, they're, they're saying all kinds of horrible things to this kid. And they're telling him, why don't you just get out of here? You know, we don't want you here. And he's like, this is my space. I can do what I want in meta, meta. And he was trying to hold his own. And all of a sudden, this thing pops up. It says, would you want Jared to leave the space? And I'm like, wait a minute. I, I don't even know who Jared is. But obviously, th this is the kid. And I said, no. But enough of the kids were able to say they wanted him to leave that they literally cyber him out of the space. And, you know, when you think about a, a shield of protection, after that groping incident with Meta, they literally had to create a four foot shield. First of all, there's an invisible shield. If you know how to use it when you're in Meta, you click a button and everybody else around you just disappears and you're by yourself. Um, if, you, if, if so, you basically are able to shield yourself. So to answer your question, they already put safeguards in place to protect against it. And I believe Meta's cartoon world and, and I don't know what Zuckerberg's trying to do to you know, uh, run the world, but that's a whole other story. But the fact is, is that you got to have safeguards, parental guidance, uh, shields, uh, token gating, permission basis on um, where you go. Like, for instance, like you're not going to let your 14 year old go run into a strip club if you're in a metaverse and it has a strip club. Right. You need to have a token gate. You need to have a, a KYC. You need to have something to let them not get in there. Or if you're just out in the out in the open and somebody starts grabbing at you and doing all kinds of crazy sexual things to you, you want to be able to either not only protect yourself, like put a shield but also alert, right? So I think, I think that that's one of the things that we're looking at is Reveal wants to put an invisible shield of protection around your avatar with a permission. So if it says, I don't mind that to happen, I could click that button. Or I could say, I don't want that to ever happen, I could click that button. And that's part of building into the different metaverses and what they're gonna allow, I think. Uh, but wouldn't that be, I mean, would, if you just disconnected, wouldn't that immediately effectively create a shield? Like, why would you want to stay in the metaverse and still have a shield around you? Well, it depends on what you're doing, right? So let's say you're playing a game. And let's say you're trying to go win something or you're trying to earn something. You're trying to buy something. Let's say you're shopping in a mall. Let's say you're walking down the street, you're walking to a store and you're trying to buy something. And somebody says, hey, I want to grab that girl's, you know what? Then that's, you're, but you still want to buy what you're there for. You still want to shop. You're like, just leave me alone, press a button, they disappear, and then now you go to what you do, you know, then you do what you're going to do, right? So there's many reasons why you would want to stay in that environment. Or maybe you're having fun. Maybe you have other friends of yours that you're going to meet, and you're going, like, for instance, we're in the mall of the metaverse, right? You guys are also working with IBC with, with metaverse, M-E-T-A-V-R-S-E, and, right. you know, they have a 100-story mall, but they're going to put safeguards in place. So if they see people that are your kids that are trying to you know, do it, do things to other kids inside the mall, they're going to put safeguards in place to not allow that to happen. You know, that's a hundred story mall, million square foot per floor, as you know, and they're going to have major brand stores at the anchor. And we own, we own a million square feet in that floor in that mall. And one of the metaverses that we're working with, and they're going to have to have safeguards in place because people are going to want to do whatever they're going to do that they're having fun in the V in that space they might not want to be bothered. They just press a button, just like get away from me. You know what I mean? So, but that's also true that they might just want to leave so we can give an option. 
just press a button and say, I just want to leave. So it could be either way. Yeah, I mean, you know, you mentioned Metaverse. Uh, I love that company. I've obviously studied their tokenomics very, very, very much in detail and, you know, uh, helped, helped work with that as well. But I think, you know, you, you touched on an interesting topic. So what would you say sort of is the average amount of time people spend in the Metaverse and what do they actually do there? Like what, what, is, what are things that they, um, that they focus, that they focus their, their energies on in, in general that, you know, security might be an issue that they'd want to – I think you touched on this a bit earlier, but it'd be great if you could expand. These are, these are the great questions because I have been playing around since 2014. I've seen all the latest ones and I've seen all the previous ones. So the ones that didn't have a digital economy I played with and the ones that do have a digital economy. And when you look at your Decentralands and your sandboxes and your Somnium space and, and spatial and, and we even do our hosting or meetings and meet in VR, depending on what type of an environment that you're in determines how you're interacting with that environment. So the biggest problem that I think right now, like most of these metaverses, there's nothing really to do. A lot of people are going there for either entertainment purposes. They, you know, I want to go see something. I want to go meet friends in there. Like even, even before all this, there was another app called big screen, which is still there. And it allowed you to be able to go into a movie theater with your avatar, where technically it's a metaverse. It allowed you to watch a movie with your friends or other people you don't know. And then you could throw popcorn at them and you could draw in the sky. And then you could like literally like it, it's kind of freaky. You could tell tell people like, Shh, get out of the theater. You're making too much noise. Like it's literally like you're all sitting around watching it. Or you could host a movie in your virtual house and everybody comes in, hangs out and they talk. And the further away from an area you get, the, the more the sound disappears. When you go into metaverse, there's three reasons people go into the metaverse. Number one reason is. They want to congregate. They want to come together. They want to go see something together. They want to meet other people and they want to do something to do with entertainment. They want to be entertained. Like, are you not entertained? That's what they're thinking, right? I want to go in. I want to be entertained. Second thing they're going to do, they're going to either lose or, or, or gain money. They're either going to shop or they're going to gamble. And gambling is one of the biggest things that I saw. So when I was playing around with Decentraland, I would go into Decentral Games and one of the things that they have is the ICE Casinos, which is owned by Decentral uh, ICE, uh, which is a platform that allows you to go in and, and, and gamble, right? You could literally go and gamble. And at the beginning, it was free. You could go in, you have your chips, you'd go in there and there'd be like a frog at the table and he'd allow you to be betting with him. And, and it was a cool environment. But what happened was, hold on one second. What happened was this, is that over time, you start to realize that many people that are in that environment. Just one second. Hold on. Sorry, guys. Can you still hear me? Yes. Okay. Because my phone rang. I don't know if you guys can hear me. Yeah, when I was are. in that environment, I wanted to go back to that environment six months later because I was there in the testing phase, and I wanted to. I wanted to test it. I wanted to play with it. You see how it's evolved. And they said I couldn't get in the door unless I bought a piece of a. Uh, Unless I, I bought a piece of avatar clothing or I bought something to do or I had some kind of accessory that wouldn't allow me in the door. So they figured out a way to gain money, to earn money just to go into the casino just by having you have to buy stuff from their marketplace. And so when I went through that experience, it was really scary because I went in and they said, OK, we have to leave the server You at your own risk. You have to press this button. So I went from where they were, which was Decentraland, 
into another website, which was their website, which I don't know if it was authorized or not. And then while I'm in there, I'm looking at their marketplace and everything's sold out. They're like, but if you want to buy it, you can go to the secondary marketplace and open C. So now I'm three levels away and I look for the jacket that I thought I wanted to buy. And it was like $5,000 for a jacket. So I can go into play around a casino. It was the craziest experience ever. The user experience was so scary. And I'm over here thinking I'm a degen and all I want to do is just gamble. So that's the second reason why people go in there to gamble, to lose money or gain money, right? And the third reason, which I think is going to be the biggest, is IRL. What you can't do in real life, you can do in the metaverse, in every area of your life. Whether, whether you are someone that can't walk, you now can walk. You've never flown before, now you can fly. You never flown a dragon? Come to TCG World and come fly a dragon. There really is dragons in TCG World. You know, want to go jump off of a building? Whatever you want to do, whatever your, your heart's content, you virtually can do. And with the haptic feedback that they're creating inside of the experiences, they're making it so you can feel it too. So obviously you have your adult side of it. They, they're going to be huge into the metaverse. You have the, the extreme sports side of it. This is huge. It's going to be huge in the metaverse. And you have the things that you can't get to. You have the de destinations you can't get to. You have the ability to shake someone's hand that you've never shaken before. Like I have never met Mauricio, who's our executive assistant, but I'm able to go into meet in VR and I can shake his hand. Haptic feedback, but I'm still shaking his hand. And it, it's interesting because you feel like you're really shaking someone's hand. Or if you've ever been in VR in the metaverse, and you because the metaverse isn't just VR, just to clarify everybody, Metaverse is interface. That's a digital world where people can come together. And technically you could say that the space on your phone can be a metaverse, but that's a whole nother animal about multiverse and metaverse. At the end of the day, when you go into the space, you're there for those three reasons and you want to be able to immerse yourself. So the most immersive is the VR, which I've always been involved with. Then you go into whatever you can see on your phone or augment reality on your phone. And then it goes into the computer. So, you know, it depends on, on your interface, uh, Jason, it depends on what you're interfacing with to determine what your immersive experience is going to be like. And then in that experience, what you need to protect yourself from. So I guess it really depends on the platform you're referring to on where you're going to experience problems, where you're going to see exploits and experience bad actors. Cause if you're in a, in a game where you're the only one there. And that's, that's the last thing I'll share with that is that the biggest problem, and I started out with this, when you go into these metaverses, you don't know what to do. You're just kind of walking around trying to figure it out. And a lot of times there's a lot of wasted time in your brain. So what we have is the called the TikTok effect, which is you close the loop on kicking off dopamine and neuroephrines. You want to level up. You want to achieve something. You want to get something of significance. You want to move forward in that progression when you're in the metaverse. Regardless of what metaverse you're in, you want to achieve something, right? You want to you click on that next thing. You just want to go and do something where in such an instant satisfaction, gratification society, you know, Starbucks in two seconds, it's not fast enough. I mean, literally, we want to scroll through that page. 15 seconds is too long. The same thing happens when you get into the metaverse. You get into the metaverse, and before you know it, you are looking for the next fun thing to do. What can I do? Where can I go? What can I explore? 
And that's when you get yourself into trouble is when you explore unknown places. And they, they can hide things in plain sight too. Like literally you could just have a, uh, 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 back in the day when you would have like a, a club that's hidden and then you would go through like one door and then in the back door, there would be like a jazz club that's just hidden and no one knows about. They can do the same thing in the metaverse. They could have underground, a whole black market, gray market. There could be a whole world of dark side of the metaverse can be there as well. So, you know, you could have one door that opens you into before you know, you go through a tour browser. And next thing you know, you're in the, in the dark web. I mean, you guys don't realize how deep this gets, right? And those of you that don't know, 95%, 95% of the web that we think of today is in the dark world, the deep web, and then the dark web. And above that is what we all see, which is everything on the, the, the fluffy part with the Googles and all this stuff above it. But it wouldn't take much for somebody to be able to click on something and jump into the dark web by accident. And that's some scary stuff, in case you guys didn't know. So I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I hope that answers your question. Yeah, for sure. I mean, especially especially for kids and, and things like, like that, you know, it's, you definitely have to put some sort of paywall or some sort of security that prevents them from being able to go there. You know, it's interesting. Um, my, my very first experience with the Metaverse was like back in the 90s. There was actually a website. There was like a virtual reality Metaverse. I didn't, didn't call it the Metaverse. And I think they just called it VR. It was like a VR world that you could join. And uh, I, I remember the very first thing I did is like you, you, you enter into this big room and then you get to essentially make your own make your own house. And so I, I put up, a, you, can, you can upload images and then basically put them on the wall. Uh, and so I designed this really, really fly, you know, monument to myself with a bunch of pictures of myself everywhere. Because at, like at, at 16, like, that seemed like, like a legitimate thing to do. And then, and then, after, <laughs> and then after I had this like big, massive, like monument to myself, I said, okay, now I want other people to see this that I've just created. So I walk outside my place and like, I'm trying to find other people, but there's no other people in this metaverse because it's just started. And I, there's like one other guy and I ended up chatting, chatting with him and trying to get, get him to come back to my place like some creep. But he didn't want to. He didn't want to. All right. <laughs> he didn't want to do it. I just actually wanted to show him, you know, uh, this house I made. Uh, but yeah, he didn't want to do it, and then I couldn't find anybody else that wanted to come over. And so basically, my house was was unoccupied even by me because there was no point in me being there if there was nobody else, you know, coming to hang out. And so it's interesting that like the the thing that actually changed, I think, if anything, is is more the number of people that are in there as opposed to like the technology. Sure, the technology has improved. I think that the thing that's made it worth getting on is just that there's so many more people, uh, you know, there. I think like that that's opened up, like you mentioned earlier, you know, possibilities that you can't do in person, they can do in IRL. Um, you know, there's there's a, a I think it was IBM. IBM has has, has an office in the metaverse, and so IBM has you know employees all over the world, and essentially everybody can, they have this virtual water cooler where basically all the you know everybody can just sort of hang out and, and get you know company gossip and stuff. And I think that's going to be really interesting, particularly for people you know remote working where you don't have the ability to you know have an office. Essentially, you're you're essentially in this you're working virtually, uh, you know, in, in various different parts of the world, but it sort of gives you this sort of coherent thing to organize around. Like I have a friend um, and she will never, she will never work remotely because she needs that, you know, communication and sense of um, uh, community with her, with her coworkers. And I think something like the metaverse, I think has made, made it possible for people to do that, particularly, you know, even guys that are, you know, remote, remote working and, you know, able to do things like flying on dragons and things is really, 
It's really amazing. So what's the way? I think that's going to be, I think you're right. I think, I think the productivity space and the office space. So as I mentioned, the second thing is to make and earn money, right? So when you earn money, you're obviously as an employer, you want to offer a virtual environment that people feel comfortable. And unfortunately your micromanagers will still be able to micromanage, right? But it's a different world because they're not necessarily in your face. They're more like virtually now in your face, but at the same token, those that have an open kind of like a Google or Apple kind of environment is super cool. Like you have that freedom and, and, and you're able to have a, a pr productive environment, but you have all these crazy cool tools, especially for productivity and creation, right? So you can have whiteboards and then in the world, you can just, literally, I can just throw words. I could draw something in the sky and I could just hand it to you, right? You can't do that in real life. You could try to draw hey, on a piece of paper hey guys, and then I can just gonna, expand I'm just it. I'm going to jump in. What Adam said is, uh, is so true. This is a more also co-founder of Reveal. Thank you for so hey, much. Hey, brother. How are you doing, brother? I have uh, I'm listening to Hey, Jason. How are you doing, man? I'm just listening to what you're saying. There's, uh, there's cool, you know, we do our meetings in uh, Meeting VR and it's super cool. But if someone's got ADD and we're not micromanagers in our company, we, 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 bring people on that want to be there, that understand the space and uh, take self-initiative. But when you come in there, there's a lot that gets you distracted. Like Adam and I, the first time we were there, took us about an hour just messing around. And it could be super cool, but you just have to put in a really good designated uh, system so people make best use of their time in there as well. So it takes a bit of getting used to, but Adam's so right. There's so many... Uh, so many tools like we got four different camera angles you could um, you could um, record things and record your meetings and you could uh, bring notes in put things on a big uh, big whiteboard you could put it on a ceiling there's so much things you can do you cannot do in real life but also it's so cool you could get distracted as well so having a system in there to be able to uh, get 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 your uh, like we're trying to we were doing it once a week, every couple of days, meeting on our meeting VR. I think uh, we got away from it. I don't know why. But uh, what do you think, Adam? We got away from that. I think it's because of distraction or I'm not sure a lot of people didn't get used to it. I think we're still a bit new for people to I get think used to the idea. Yeah, I think the environment, right? So I think that people are not used to, like for me, I'm used to virtual reality. So I can have a headset on my headset a couple hours at a time. The average person is a little bugged out after about a half an hour, depending on the the, the interface of what you're using, right? So if you're using a, a Oculus versus a Vive versus like something that's going to be super lightweight in the future, um, we'll change that experience. But being in that space, it, it, even in the productivity world, you also want to close the loop. And I think we don't close the loop enough. We end up in there kind of messing around a little too much and we're not really getting anything done. And you can only put those you know, pictures up in the sky so many times. You can only draw so many things. You can pull files from, you know, looking at the graph and looking at the, the, the charts and, and, and flow charts and, and creating things. There's only so much you can do inside certain worlds. So in, in Meet and VR, you know, we, we have a subscription where we actually have like, let's say five of us can go in there. And when you're in that world, they actually copied off of, I think it was Stanford University, their room where they create so they have eight whiteboards and then they have SWOT analysis and then they have the Ben Franklin and they have your productivity tools and it's all around you 
and you're totally interacting with everything. And like Mo said, there, if you want to, you can, you have like four or five cameras and you can create your own video studio inside of there. We're actually going to be uh, hosting some of our future updates from the meet and VR space. You can connect your ready player.me. Those of you that don't know that you can go there right now, ready player.me and you can create an avatar and that avatar you can actually bring into like 2,500 different apps and like, I don't even know, like hundreds of metaverses that they're built that people are building out. They're already connected to it. So ready player me, we have our, so I'm the bit. So if you guys look at my little Twitter, so I created that in ready player me, and then I created it as an actual NFT just so I could actually own my own identity. So that's the bit dragon. And then inside the world, I actually connect my ready player me. And now I have the bit dragon live inside of the metaverse. And so when I run around in most worlds, like when I go into TCG world as an example, it's an 800 square kilometer fully digital space built on Unity, where you can fly dragons and, and fly planes and drive cars and they have big brands that are going in there. They're in their alpha right now. You literally go in as Bitdragon, right? I choose my, my avatar and I actually go in as the Bitdragon, right? So, and Mo would go in as Mo because he connect his actual avatar and now he'd be floating around in that world with that. And so I think Mo, to answer your question, there isn't enough productivity stuff still, even though they're trying to make it so we can get enough done. We still need to be in front of a computer. Now, one of the admins can actually be in front of the computer while we're in the virtual headset and they can control the environment. So Mauricio can actually be either on his headset or he can be in front of a computer and then he can do a couple of things that everyone else can't do. Like you can create a closed area where only me and Mo could talk as an example. Like I literally can create an audio ring and then he can step inside my ring and then me and him, it's almost like going in a closed closet in an office and me and him can talk and no one else can hear. And if you step outside the audio ring, then only you can hear what's in that ring. If you're in the ring, outside the ring, you hear everybody else. And it even has um, uh, spatial, so spatial audio. So the closer you get to the sound, the closer it sounds louder and louder and louder. So it does give you that feeling that you're actually walking around in that, in that world. And in me and VR, we don't have any legs either, right? We're all floating around half body. So you have a head, shoulders, and half body, but you don't have any legs, which is kind of weird. Like... In TCG world, as an example, your avatar spun, spins up and you and you're literally have legs and you're running around and you can feel yourself run and jump. And there's, there's haptic feedback in the future. Some of these, you can actually feel yourself jump and feel your hands when you grab things. And so I think that's also missing too, Mo. Um, only the handshake, we can really feel the haptic feedback. Um, when you grab the, you can grab a pen, you can grab an eraser, you can, you can pop off a thing that shows confetti up in the air when you're excited about something. There's, there's a bunch of tools, you got a, a laser pointer. So, I mean, there's things that you can play with. There's only just so much you can do. So I guess that's why it's because we get kind of burned out of doing the wanna, same thing over and over again. On, I want to quickly yeah. touch on what you said. There's so much things you can do. The problem with metaverse right now is like, we got some cool metaverses we've been playing around with and they don't, as you said, they don't close that loop. More importantly, there's nothing fun to do there at the moment. You go in there, and let's look at the more popular Wilder World. Let's look at the Sandbox. There's not many people in there. And the majority of people in there are just in the casino playing around because there's only so much you can walk around and see things. And there's nothing you could do as an experience. Like you said, right now, 
they're not closing that loop on people that you could do something super fun and get something get get that uh get that dopamine and do something that uh gets you rewarded so we're so i think we're still about four to five years ahead not of mass adoption just adoption mass adoption we're looking a little bit further than that but just an adoption coming we will see about a trillion market cap or 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 more in the metaverse right now there's nothing really to do there if you go on put your headset you can walk around there's uh so much there's just so much you can do the person who could could bring bring that to life and put some fun cool factors in there go ahead i think someone else wanted well to i talk. think that i think that the gamification has to enter the space i think that gaming platforms are going to start to realize that they're they're going to need to bring in that aspect right like that that feeling of, of, of being in there and accomplishing something and doing something. And when you're, when I, I went in New Year's just for fun. I, I know it sounded kind of boring, but I was home when, with my when wife. And where? And when and where? I went into Decentraland okay, gotcha. at New Year's. And and for whatever reason, the area that I went to was like the main area and everybody's supposed to be celebrating. There was maybe like, I don't know, 30, 40 people there. It just felt so anticlimactic to be inside the metaverse at New Year's when the ball was going up. I thought it would be super cool while the first time I've ever seen the metaverse and watching the ball drop inside the metaverse. But, you know, that was the biggest problem for me is that you made a really valid point, Jason, in regards to not a lot of people were there. And now people go there. When you first went there, there's a handful of people. There is getting more and more people. So as more people come in, you've got more relationships you can build, more people you can associate with and play with and play games with and do stuff with. And I, and I think that that is definitely going to push towards more adoption. It's going to take a long time for the masses to come on board. I mean, hell, the masses aren't even on board on crypto, let alone NFTs and and uh, DeFi and, of course, Metaverse. And, you know, there's another component of this that you kind of touched on, which is the social community component is so important. So one of our other partners, Otherverse, they actually have been building for like 15 years metaverses in the space, like 32 billion transactions prior to the blockchain stuff. Same time as like Linden Labs with Second Life. And what they found is that you have to have a social community structure that not only do you have a sovereign system that allows you to have the digital community and an economy, but you also need to have like that structure of communication. And you have to have a, a way that you have a community that's coming together and they're going to do something while they're in there. There's a reason why they're coming together and then how they communicate with each other. What are the ways that you say hi? What's the way that you put a thumbs up? What's the way that you kiss somebody? What's the way that you do anything in there? All of those aspects have to be built into the metaverses to make it a fully immersive, cool interaction with other avatars is, is important, right? I think it's I think it's going to be the parties. I think it's ultimately going to be the parties that really set it off. Like once they start having parties in the metaverse and a, and a lot of good ones, uh, that's when you're going to start seeing a lot of people come. And people come to parties. Speaking of which, uh, at Lunum is uh, is turning one uh, uh, tomorrow. Congratulations, have... guys! Hey, thank you. Uh, yeah, so tomorrow we are having Congrats, a party in the yeah. metaverse. Uh, party in the metaverse. So I think the Nadia and uh, Jervis will be releasing more information about that. Um, but yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. So a lot of our team, of course, as you know, we fully distributed. I think we have uh, team members in every continent with the exception of uh, Antarctica. Uh, so it's, it's going to be good to be in the same physical space, so to speak. 
and and sort of meet everybody. So that's gonna be interesting. Uh, I think we're we're about we have like just five minutes more. So I think what we'll do is we'll 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 add one last question and then we'll open it up uh, for questions from the audience. Uh, so you mentioned um, you mentioned uh, uh, yeah, avatars. Um, so do you think that there's like a, a limited combination of avatars that can be created? I've, I've heard that in, within the metaverse, and I, I'm sure this varies from metaverse to metaverse, that there are only so, certain limited combinations. You know, so how do how do people uh, you know differentiate themselves and have like a unique identity? Or do you think that that's not going to be an issue with, with something that you just mentioned in terms of how you create your own avatar? Well, look at it this way. If you go in the gaming world and you think about how detailed that they've created the tools to actually recreate your avatar with how wide your eyes are, what shape your eyes are, what the height of your eyebrows are, what's the side and the width of your chin, the, the, the reflection of the color of your skin, your face, your size of your body. Like there, there's so many ways. That, so there's, two ways to look at it. One is, are you gonna to try to recreate yourself in the metaverse? So if you use something like Ready Player Me, readyplayer.me, you're gonna have a limited number of units, right? I think avatar companies are gonna be a, a, probably a dime a dozen, like NFT companies in the future, you're gonna to have to differentiate yourself. But a lot of the tools, you can create such creative levels inside of the metaverse. So if you go into a metaverse and they only give you the avatars that are allowed to go in, like for instance, if you go into if you go into Decentraland, a lot of people in there look the same because many of them don't know how to use the avatar builder and they really don't care. Or if you go into Facebook meta at the beginning, it was like just a handful of avatars. Now you can recreate, but it's still, they look, a lot of them still look very similar. I don't think you'll ever run out of, uh, it's, it's the level of creativity you can have. Like you could have, whether you have a tattoos or piercings or, the, the different you know, styles you wear for clothing. It all is based on what you allow inside of that metaverse, how many platforms you allow to let their avatars use at work in your world, right? So it, just like clothing, right? So for instance, if we were having a party and you all could only go to one clothing store, uh, eventually everyone in the party would look like everyone else because everybody can only go to one party, uh, clothing store. I think digital fashion is going to be a big, big thing in the future. Not only is it going to need to be protected for authenticity, right? If you're wearing Louis Vuitton shoes or a Board Yacht Club jacket or, <clears throat> you know, a Richard Mueller watch and you want to flex, somebody's going to have to authenticate. You're not wearing a bunch of fake crap, right? That's number one. But number two, I think that if you have enough creative avatar builders and digital fashion allowed in your metaverse, I don't think you would run out. I don't think it would be a, a limited supply. But it, it, it really, I think that bottleneck will happen at the point of the metaverse. What do they allow in? And I believe open verse, multiverse is where you need it the most. That's where you'll have the most avatars available because anybody can come into your world. Obviously, you got to check them before they go in, make sure they're not a bad actor, which is where reveal comes in. But at the end of the day, I don't think that you'll ever run out. Creativity is just, you know, you could be a dragon, you could be a unicorn, you could be a, a lizard, a frog, you could be, there's so many things you can be inside of a world. So you don't necessarily have to be just a person. 
Yeah, definitely. You know, we should definitely shout out to uh, Faith Connection. They're doing some really interesting stuff uh, in this space. Work very closely with Wahid Chamas. Uh, what they've done is like they have a, a a whole thing about fashion in the metaverse. I mean, Faith Connection is a luxury clothing uh, brand. You can actually get you know NFTs uh, off off their luxury clothing, and not only can you ensure that they're then authentic, uh, but people can walk around you know with the, with these sort of designer clothes that are actually coming from the brand itself. I think that's going to be something i mean that these guys have really innovated on but i'm sure that you know a lot of other 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 luxury clothing retailers uh are, are going to jump in on that I, I know tiffany just released a few nfts that, that they that they focus on the metaverse um so yeah i mean it's, it's it's really fascinating to see uh particularly how this how this how about we have uh final words uh from mo and adam any guys anything you guys li- like to add to sum up uh um uh, diving into crypto absolutely thank you so much for having me on um congratulations for one year anniversary we know it's not an easy thing to be in crypto one year it's it's like a eons like it's time flies i tell everybody in crypto time flies probably four times faster in real life it in uh if if you're into it you understand i've been myself you know uh been able to advise so many companies now co-founded and uh co-founded Reveal with Adam. We understand the space really well and how to start launch companies, how to go to the bear market, how to market it. But one thing I love to say to people, don't get discouraged. There is down market. There's always an up market. And if you're a project owner or a creator or developer or whatever, and you're going through this time, relish it. Understand that now the more you build, the more you put your head down, as Ad Lunam's doing, the more you put these Twitter spaces, the more you add value, the more you build underground, you're, you're making your roots of your tree a lot stronger. And that tree, I'll, I'll liken onto the tree, your project or yourself, is going to be much stronger. So when the winds and the storms come next time, you'll be much, much stronger. And the people that are building right now and putting your heads down, like Reveal, we're, we're focused on building. And we're focused on new technology and we're focused on new partnerships and we're always making news. You know why? Going to events and meeting people, meeting the owners of different uh, chains and, you know, and uh, coming into different Twitter spaces because we understand the more activity you do when the market turns around, you're going to be handsomely rewarded. So don't think if you're just a regular investor. That's great. Look for opportunities. Looking for great companies that are building like now, like Ad Lunam. They're doing great stuff. Just look at what they're doing as um, as as um, as work behind the scenes. And if they're actually building, innovating, and marketing, the companies that are not, I wouldn't even look at them because it shows that they're just in it for one reason. A lot of companies are cash grabs, but you could look and find some gems. Just to tell you guys one story, it's not financial advice. I gave a couple of guys back in 2017 a couple of tips. One on uh, one on BNB when it was 30 cents. One on Phantom, I think, was 0.00. I don't even know what it was. One guy was um, working for FedEx. He made 1.6 million dollars, life-changing money with I think I don't know 10 grand, 11 grand. I don't know what it was in a few in like. In a few, in a year, year and a half or something, and one guy made about almost a million dollars, and he put a low, very low amount. He was making three grand a month, and one guy cashed out, and actually had a lot of money. The other person went through it, had so much uh, faith, 
and went back and didn't have as much, like barely anything. So I said things like that can happen, but take advantage of these times as well. If you are up, feel like don't look at it just as digital money. And if you are, I'm not going to give a financial advice. It's just on top of my mind. If you are up in the industry and you feel like you want to buy a car or a watch, at least have something to show for it. I've seen so many people made a lot of money, but when the market goes down and crashes, they never ever turn into real money. So it doesn't, uh, not real money, it's like they turn into anything physical. So they feel like it's not real and they get all depressed. So use this time to innovate, research, uh, follow, uh, follow follow amazing companies like Ad Lunum and congratulations guys I don't want to take much time I was a little bit late and 6 a.m here so early I wanted to just uh, get on I put some water on my face just to be able to get on this uh, Twitter so thank you so much for having us on my brother from another mother my best friend Adam he just killed it thank you buddy I'm just gonna give the mic to rest that's the people. Thank no, you we, we appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much for getting up super early. Thank you so much, Jason, for having us on. This is such an important space, and we have to obviously bring this to the forefront. This issue of de-risking the metaverse was like a, a great topic. I thank you for all your support for Reveal. I thank you for being the IBC with NFT technology, with everything that you've been involved with. It's just absolutely incredible. Thank you, everybody, for your time. And obviously... As I said at the beginning, it's the most valuable thing you have, and you shared it with us, and we truly, truly appreciate that. So you guys have an absolutely incredible rest of your day, guys, and uh, thank you so much for having us. Awesome. Awesome. No, thank you so much, uh, Mel Adam. This has been just so illuminating, I think, for, for a lot of people that really don't know very much about the metaverse. Uh, thank you so much, um, you know, for your inputs. Uh, really, really, really exciting, uh, interesting stuff uh, coming out from the metaverse soon. Uh, thank you, everybody, uh, for listening in, and we'll see you again next week. Same time, same bad channel. Thank you so much. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Diving Into Crypto, proudly hosted by AdLunum, the first engaged-to-earn platform with a proof-of-attention model and dynamic NFT investor profiles. 